0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a great struggle of ours against the flesh to dive deeper into the will of God as we have it revealed to us in his word. More times than not, I encounter Christians in this community, not just our congregation but they live their lives asking a question like this without actually asking it. What is the minimum I must believe to be accepted into heaven? They just want that bare minimum to slide right in. Living life like that, though, is not as the scriptures ask us to. And it's important as we consider something as deep as talking about Christ's humiliation. When we hear of this, as I will explain it in a moment, we must approach it with patience, dedication, attention, prayer, and faith. And these things are what we are very ready and willing to give to many other facets of our life, like work or school or hobbies, But the Word of God, I would argue, even requires a greater effort because our flesh despises it and wants nothing to do with it. In studying for these Lenten midweek services, I find myself feeling like I am at my seminary, Fort Wayne, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I feel like I've just left one of my classes, having sat at the feet of my professors, maybe with a little bit of pride and arrogance asking this question, why must I learn of the humiliation of Christ? Or maybe first, what is the humiliation of Christ anyway? What does it have to do with me? I'm thankful for patient professors, but I imagine that if I have felt this way in the past, you may have felt it as well. So let's dig into the why and the what of today's topic and readings. So before we go any further, we have that question, why? Why must we talk about Christ's humiliation and learn it from the scriptures? It's because of this, your confession, what you say about Christ's Humiliation is a matter of your salvation. So it's pretty important. So should we answer that question, what is his humiliation? I'm going to read this to you twice, but I hope you hear it both times. Christ's humiliation is a time when Christ renounced, truly and really, yet also freely, that is willingly, the unlimited use of his divinity and concealed it in order that he might suffer and die for the life of sinful mankind, the whole world. Again, Christ's humiliation. It is the time when Christ renounced truly and really, yet also freely and is willingly, The unlimited use of his divinity and concealed it in order that he might suffer and die for the life of sinful mankind. That is the whole world. When we say it like that, it sounds important. It sounds like it's something we should know worthy of our attention, worthy of our devotion and study, because that is our salvation. Christ dying on the cross for us. But how is it possible for God to die? Why did you just sing, O darkest woe? O sorrows dread, our God is dead. How is that possible? That is what we're studying tonight. How this could be. And why it is necessary for our salvation. That is the beginning of our second article of the Creed, which deals with the second person of the Trinity, Jesus the Christ. This is what we confess about it. We confess that Christ set aside his glory, his divine majesty. And he came down to his creation in the form of a servant, who though he had full possession of his divinity, that is, omniscience, knowing everything, omnipotence, being all-powerful and mighty, Lord over all creation, and omnipresence, ability to be everywhere at once. And in those three also includes even immortality, Christ did not count that equality with God to be taken. But he emptied himself, bearing all weaknesses and infirmities of the human nature after the fall. So he became tired. He thirsted. He was hungry. He sorrowed at the death of his friends. And he was also Subjected under the law, which demanded perfect obedience. But he was also being subject to its curse, which is death, all for you, for the sins of the whole world. And he did all this, keeping his divinity concealed and even denying its use. He kept it all hidden until after the work of his redemption was complete and he was dead and buried. What pursuit in our life, what thing is more value of more value to us than to devoting our time to learning and growing in fear, love and trust in this man, Jesus Christ, Who was true God in the flesh. The one who is inexpressibly rich. Because he is God. But was also poor. Who was and is the almighty God. But was also weak. Who is the creator and Lord over all things. But who was also subject To men, beginning with his mother and father, Mary and Joseph, who is life itself, but was betrayed and crucified and died. That should be of highest pursuit for us as Christians to grow in fear, love, and trust in Him who emptied Himself to save us. And talking about that emptying of Himself, that is what made it so that He would die on the cross. All these things that we talk about, being poor, weak, subject to men, betrayed and crucified, were made real and possible by his voluntary humbling of himself, whereby since the moment he was in the womb of his mother, the Virgin Mary, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, he chose not to use his divine powers, even though they always and fully dwelled within him. Now he was like us in every way, except sin. Since he was conceived in a supernatural way by the Holy Spirit, he did not inherit the sin of Adam, though he looked in every way to have the appearance of one born of Adam. It's important for us to speak clearly about his humiliation. It's important for us not to just associate Christ's state of humiliation with his incarnation, that is in his taking on of flesh. Believe it or not, I speak to the preschoolers, three to five year olds, about the incarnation when Jesus took on flesh. The second person of the Trinity was flesh and blood. So I have the preschoolers put out their hands and I say, pitch it. Feel the flesh. That's What Jesus felt like. He was as one of us. And that truly is a great condescension for God. The God of all the universe. To come down and assume our human nature. Our flesh and bone. And be numbered as one of us. To be called our brother. But it is not just the humiliation. No. Because we also know that in the resurrection of Christ, he rose in the body, in flesh and blood, albeit it was a glorified one. But once incarnate, he is always incarnate, but his state of humiliation was ended when he was buried. He never rids himself of his flesh. His wounds are glorified. And they serve as a sign and the testimony of his redemption of our bodies and the propitiation for our sins. And there's something to be said about that. Christ is our Redeemer. redeemer. Through his poverty, he has made us heirs of his kingdom. And therefore, we are rich. Rich beyond all telling. His obedience to the will of the Father was absolutely perfect. And that obedience is our redemption. Because we know, we know where we have failed. Which is why we say, the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. And His death, His death, is our propitiation, the payment for our sins. So that the one who had no sins of his own, the Father charged him with ours. He placed upon the sin bearer the sins of all mankind. He was cut out of the land of the living stricken for the transgressions of the people. They made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, though he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. It was was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. There was no other way for your redemption than by the blood of Christ. And so it was necessary that he put aside his glory to die for you. But he did so willingly for the joy that was set before him in seeing his offspring, the ones born of water and the Spirit, First John one seven, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. That, that is why we must learn with all diligence, of the humiliation of Christ, the time when Christ renounced truly and really, yet also freely and willingly, the unlimited use of his divinity and concealed it in order that he might suffer and die for the life of sinful mankind, the whole world. Because it is Christ who, though possessed everything, possesses everything, willingly emptied himself of it all, even laying down his life so that you may be found righteous, forgiven, and the heir of everlasting life, of immortality itself. For all of this, we, the offspring of Christ, will return thanks to the Lord. We will bow at the words and was made man. For it is for us men and for our salvation that he came down from heaven. As the psalmist says, the more that he learns of the mighty works of God, I will praise you more and more and more. So may we, being filled with these words of God, Knowing of his mighty works and acts, praise him more and more with our tongue, with our life, with all that we are. Praise the Lord of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord.